This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Best and brightest. Uh, one of your biggest cities, one of our biggest cities, yeah, our, not your. I, I, I haven't moved to the Cayman Islands. <laughs> I, I have no reason to, but one of our biggest cities is yet again aflame. Do you know which one? It's okay if you don't. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Unless, unless of course, like me, you're not on vacation. Americans used to be on vacation this time of year. And one of our great dirty little secrets creeping up on us with all the rest is that we're not on vacation. Some of us are. God bless you. Some of us aren't. And we owe it all, either way, to Obama. Veritas! Welcome back, best and brightest. Permit me to uh, straightforwardly dispense with the administrative duties because I am in a uh, very interesting mood. I would characterize it as dangerous. Uh, And generally that means since I can't be of any harm whatever to you and certainly in any event would never wish to be, what could I mean by dangerous? Well, as usual... If I'm dangerous, I'm of danger only to myself and my own career. So, uh, but I am feeling dangerous today. So let me dispense with the administrative particulars. You are the best and brightest audience. And I've ever been persuaded of that. I am Jay Severin and I've worked my whole life to be worthy of you. It's what I wanted to be. It's what I wanted to be in in general theory when I founded my fifth grade civics club and newspaper. Skip's at the controls today. Skip, have I ever mentioned before that I had founded my uh, grade school civics club and newspaper? Thank you. Then I'm, I'm glad I take the opportunity to mention it now. Since then, I have wanted to trade interesting conversation with interesting people that and and uh, enjoy uh, intimate congress with the really attractive young women uh, uh, attractive did I say attractive attractive young women but 
uh, it, conversationalist is what it ought to say on my tombstone, which they ought to be carving now. Uh, in fact, uh, skip, make a note. Let's let's call the marble artists later. And uh, that's right. I can't afford marble. It's going to be cinder block. Let's call the cinder block people later and see if they can uh, <clears throat> give us an estimate on when they'll be finished. Uh, before I get too far afield, yes, uh, feeling a little bit in a dangerous mood, but back to my point, I've always wanted to be worthy of an audience like you. I've always enjoyed, to me, a party was, I don't know, I was never the guy doing the hoochie-coochie or the twist or the mashed potatoes or the jerk or the shimmy shimmy or the twist or the all you kids with your modern dance steps <laughs> I, you know i've never been that guy with a with a, something on my head and a beer dancing in the middle of the room i've been the guy in the corner who doubtlessly regarded as a bore by many holding forth uh with matters of interest god knows it could have been anything it wasn't always politics. It's not politics now. It's it's civics. It's civic circus maximus, the world in which we live. But I was always that guy. God help me. I mean, I God help me, and I mean it. God help me. Because I was always that guy. And when there's no longer a need for that guy, uh, I do know how to do something else. I'm just probably not capable of doing it anymore. I mean, the physical rigors of being on the campaign trail. Anyway. Who knows? Who cares? About uh, the latest American city in flames? That would be Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I remember thinking when I first heard about this during the weekend, uh, via the British Broadcasting Corporation in the middle of uh, the night, I remember a, 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 a mental glance at the question, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I couldn't help but think, other than, I mean, of, of, of so-called major cities, I couldn't think, and by major Generally, we all know what that means, but in the case I'm about to use, oddly enough, the city qualifies mostly because of its football team, which in America is kind of like Mecca. So other than Green Bay, you know, in Madison, I was trying to think of the top few cities. No offense. I'd live in Wisconsin in a second. The farther north, the better. The colder, the better. The more rustic, the more, the least civilized, the better. Send me there tomorrow. Uh, I was trying to think of the major cities, as we might consider them, in Wisconsin. And Milwaukee is certainly one of them, if not the first one Americans not from Milwaukee uh, would think of. And... You know, forgive me, a thought did occur to me. Race riots in Milwaukee. Huh. Because I was 
at that moment challenging myself to think of the whitest city in America that I could think of. What's the whitest city in America you can think of? Really? What's the whitest city in America you could think of? And I must tell you, I don't know that Milwaukee would come to mind, but if Milwaukee were on a top 25 list, I'd be comfortable betting my pocket change on Milwaukee coming in pretty high. And I kind of think of Milwaukee as one of the whitest cities in America. I don't think of cities in terms of whiteness or blackness or brownness or purpleness or polka dottedness or any of those things. But when you tell me there are race riots in Milwaukee, my, my reaction is honest? Really? The, my, Mil, my Milwaukee, your Milwaukee. Are we talk about the same Milwaukee here? Well, who knows? Who cares? If you're not in the bullseye, my friends, and you are, my radio family, and you are, you are in the bullseye. I am in the bullseye. If Milwaukee is a flame with racial hatred and tension, which, by the way, ain't so, Milwaukee is a flame, all right, but they're principally awash in economic hatred and tension. It's the haves and the have-nots. It ain't the white and the black, or the brown, or the yellow, or the polka-dotted, or the green. It's economic. It ain't racial. It is coincidentally racial, but it ain't principally racial. But who knows who cares? Those in the bullseye. Who's in the bullseye? Ask not for whom the bullseye tolls, my friend. It is for thee. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, one 3393 on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 on a show like no other. For good or ill, a show like no other. Now, um, it is my uh, unhappy, though, bear in mind, all things being relative, this is probably fairly innocuous bad news. Uh, and that is, I, I'm still not on Twitter. As I hope Rocky, who is Spartacus, 
I am Rocketus. I am Rocketus. Rocketus, who is head of our legions, who is our Spartacus, uh, has, I hoped, uh, or will, I trust, keep you up to date on uh, this uh, circumstance. I, I have no, uh, my, I've been relying, probably foolishly, on one computer to be the workhorse of just about everything I do. And because of my inability to know more, well, perhaps not inability, but probably, uh, my ignorance about computers, I always thought, man, if something happens to this laptop, you know, I'm in trouble. And I'm in trouble. Because though I do not rely principally on that laptop to do the show, I do rely on it principally to communicate with the entire world, specifically and most importantly, including you. So for reasons I literally cannot explain, you have have to trust me on this, I cannot use or access my Twitter account. It was created so many years ago. I so long ago forgot the codes and passwords, and I can't get them to answer me because I can't. I, don't get me started. Uh, I cannot access Twitter, and I cannot. I can. I can intermittently access email, but uh, that's it. No Twitter today. If they have fixed my laptop, which they tell me they have, by the way. They told me Friday night it was fixed, and I could have it this morning. Guess what happened when my child bride went to pick it up for me? Yahomini, hominy, hominy. Okay. So, you know, if if the first lie uh, are uh, represent all the lies in this, then I could conceivably have it back before the end of the show. Wouldn't that be great? And you'll see uh, a tweet from me. Otherwise, I'm not on Twitter, and I want you to know. And uh, it, it, I never thought I'd miss it this I mean, I, in theory, I thought I'd miss it this much. I never knew I'd miss it this much. Because I really have a sense that I know I, I can't. All of us don't write. All of us don't correspond. But I hope all of the 25,000-plus people who are with me, and I know that's a terribly modest amount, and I'm not proud of it. I don't mention it because I'm proud of it. And, you know, any jackass in the world has 100,000 Twitter followers. I just have to be a jackass with 25. So, uh, but you know what? Every one of you and every one of you that writes to me and every one of you who unknowingly on my end reads my correspondence means a lot to me. And so uh, not having it is, uh, is, is more than bothersome. I'll keep you uh, abreast or perhaps a more of a breast man. Uh, Rocky, I am Rocticus. Uh, we'll keep you posted uh, until I'm back up on Twitter. Now, Milwaukee, in case you're not entirely up with this, in case you had the temerity to enjoy an American summer weekend without burdening yourself with the manifestly depressing news of America and the world recently. Okay. 
Milwaukee is aflame. Yet another American city, people shooting at policemen, policemen in some cases, but not in enough, firing back, rioting, injured, dead. Guess why? Well, police brutality, of course, because police continue to murder black men. This time, the innocent was named Sylvan Smith. Sylvan was minding his own business somehow in between committing crimes. I don't know how the police officers possibly found this guy in between felonies. Well, actually, they didn't, did they? Because he was committing a felony when he was lawfully dealt with. Sylvan Smith has a rap sheet including 13 felonies, including shooting people. When he appeared to be about ready to shoot police officers, and he was warned way more times than necessary, in my view, which is any more times than once. Three, two, one, bang. Old Sylvan was warned by multiple police officers multiple times to drop his weapon. Drop your gun. Put the put the gun down. And he's raving. And as you may or may not know, for a police officer or the son or a daughter, the spouse, father, mother of a police officer, at that moment, there is a quintessential question and answer. There is the most important Q&A session in which Sylvan will ever take part. And that is, will you drop the gun? Drop the gun. And he was pointing it at police officers. And by reports from many, many people, was in evidence of preparing instantaneously to fire that weapon already pointed at police officers. Drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun, given many more warnings than I believe anyone deserves who's pointing a gun in the shooting position at police officers or anyone else. He refused to comply with the lawful order to stop his lethal behavior. He did not drop the gun, and so the police dropped Sylvan. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah, at that moment, look, loss of life, always tragic. No matter what, I believe when a soul, when a soul departs this earth, at that moment, that soul gets another chance. And I haven't thought a lot about, not nearly enough to be talking theology to you, but I kind of believe that. But at that moment, when you're pointing a, a gun at a police officer, preparing to pull the trigger, then at that moment, it becomes the shootout at the OK Corral. And someone's going to be hurt, someone's not. And for me, woohoo, it becomes a movie. It, because it really does become morally and, 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 and physically that simple. 
Who's who's going to do the shooting? Who's going to do the dying? And I want the criminal to do the dying. I want the police officers lawfully going about the business of courageously protecting us to do the living and the protecting. Sylvan wouldn't drop the gun, so the police dropped him. But, of course, it was instantly known as a murder. Murder. Young black man murdered by police. I'm just curious. Does it matter to you or anyone that he was shot by a black police officer? Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, one 888 Permit me to voluntarily make something very clear, uh, not as a postscript, but because time did not permit my including it uh, before that uh, break, which kind of snuck up on me. In Milwaukee, Sylvan, Sylvan Smith was not murdered. If you've heard Sylvan Smith was murdered by a police officer, you heard wrong. Sylvan Smith did something on a spectrum between suicide by suicide via felony, suicide via police officer, or thwarted homicide, which ended in legal enforcement of law. Nota bene. Note well, when I earlier cheered for the police officer, that cheer does not, could never, you know me, that cheer could never celebrate the death of anybody. I don't even celebrate the death, per se, of a terrorist. I mean, given what happens at that instant, that it's the good guy or the bad guy, I'm for the I'm for good versus evil. So yes, at that instant in time where there's only one probable outcome, I'm for good. How about you? I oh, don't bother to answer. I know what side you're on. I want you want the good guy to win. We would prefer at that instant that that instant not occur. I would prefer that Sylvan Smith had a drink, went home, yelled at the television, cursed out the police, and we let it go at that. But it couldn't go at that. And when it comes down to that cosmic instant when it's good versus evil, in that cosmic moment, think of it as a movie, when the bullets are fired, one's going to hit its target, one isn't. I want the guy or gal who risks her or his life for me and my family and you and yours every day to protect us, to serve us. In that cosmic instant, when those bullets are in the air, in that 
fantastical movie we've just created, in that instant, I want the good guy to win. That's it. That's all. That second, that cosmic instant in the life and death of life and death, it's good versus evil. It's winner and loser. And yeah, I want the good guy. I want the guy protecting us to prevail. When those bullets are in the air, I want the police officer's bullet. If this is a legal, justifiable, as 99.9999999999999% of police officers firing their weapons are legally and morally justified, I, I want that to prevail, not evil. Now, Milwaukee, he's not the police chief, right? He's the sheriff, I think. David Ward, if you've seen him even once, you have not and will not forget him. David Ward is going to be Governor Ward, is my guess. Re- remember, Guru J. Guru Jay say, David Ward is going to be Governor Ward, and soon. And David Ward may well be our next, and I hope by then the, 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 the adjectives of color don't matter, but I think David Ward may be our next black president. If you take the strain of populism that Donald Trump has provoked... And you distill it. And when things settle down in a few months, a few years, a few decades, I mean, David Ward, David Ward is a black man without color, politically speaking. He is not a black man for whom white folk would vote out of guilt or in the lavish, dreamlike hope of erasing the appalling history we have with race relations. Now, you would vote for David Ward because you'd vote for David Ward. If David Ward were polka dot and striped, you would vote for David Ward. Barack Obama won because he's half black. David Ward would win irrespective of the color you see when you look at him. And look, I'm not necessarily boosting Sheriff Ward because, uh, well, David Ward said, quote, stop talking about fixing police. Fix the ghetto, end quote. Although I want you to bear in mind, you need to bear in mind, as I do, that David Ward's solution is, frankly, a huge nanny state. If David Ward becomes Governor Ward, it would be a fascinating process as to whether he would run as a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent, because uh, David Ward is a great big, for what he says we need to do, which is to go into the ghetto and fix it. I'm not going to go into a lecture here, though. I, I, 
I am a, I'm accredited to. I could go into a, a formative lecture about the sociology and, and fiscal ramifications of what it would take to fix the ghetto. It's beyond trillions of dollars in new free housing. It's well beyond that. It would change America like that. So David Ward's claim that we need to fix the ghetto, not the police, is good prima facie. And many of us agree with it prima facie, and many of us ought to, I think. But what it actually means is a huge nanny state in which 80% automatic tax rate would be automatic. That said, the extraordinary leadership and articulation under the circumstances of uh, Police Chief Sheriff David Ward sounds, uh, you know, despite its huge government solutions, it sounds pretty good to a lot of us. And one of the things it does not contain is that we apply two different rules to two different sets of people vis-a-vis the law based on their skin color. If certain groups disobey the law, if they burn down the neighborhood, if they assault, assault police, then we don't ask the question, were the rioters and murderers you know, trying and in some cases succeeding to kill police, were they black or white? I don't care. You don't care. The mere fact that this is regarded as a pertinent question right now is is tragic and it 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 threatens to undermine one of the fundamental understandings of our society, the one you and I share, which is that we beware domestic enemies of our constitution. We beware enemies of our Constitution, whether they be foreign or domestic. Over there, they are ISIS. Over here, they are Sylvan Smith. Over here, Sylvan Smith is going to be treated like a hero by Black Lives Matter, which is itself a domestic terror organization, in my opinion. In my opinion. Because Sylvan Smith is a young man with an arrest record of, I believe, 13 felonies, including shooting people, and last alive, he was prepared by all accounts, by all responsible accounts, to kill police who were standing between Sylvan Smith and your house. I'm begging you to think of it that way because... In effect, this ain't theology class. You know it, I know it. The bottom line of this is that you've got Sylvan Smith with a gun pointed at police, ready to fire. If Sylvan Smith, if the Sylvan Smiths of the world 
are prepared to point a gun at police officers, maybe a hundred of them who all have a bead on him, and he refuses their lawful command, and the only sane thing for him to do, which is to drop the gun, if Sylvan Smith at all won't do that, what do you think? How afraid of you do you think he is? Anybody who's prepared to point a gun and use it against police officers, those police officers you know and I know are the thin blue line they talk about. That line is a line between Sylvan Smith at all and your house, your property, your children, your lives. And between it, the thin blue line that says drop the gun. If Sylvan Smith and the other Sylvan Smiths of the world are prepared to act as he did, then all it does is redouble the argument as to why we so badly need good police officers and more of them. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. Partners, uh, I I must I must offer you my uh, we call this uh, erratum, uh, never errata, which is the plural because that would mean I had committed more than one error. So it's always erratum, and then rarely, but we do have erratum, and the erratum is I have been calling. Uh, Sheriff David Clark by the wrong surname. It is Sheriff David Clark, and many of you have been kind enough to take a moment of your day to correct my stupidity. And I, and I appreciate it. Truly, I do. As you know, if I'm in error here somehow, I want to make it apparent as well as my... Uh, as well as my apology to you for uttering anything that was in error. And it's, uh, I'm told, Sheriff David Clark, I've seen him so many times and admired what he has said. I'm surprised I would not recall his name, but I did not, uh, and I recalled it uh, incorrectly. So thank you for the education and the correction. It is Sheriff David Clark. Now, very quickly, because I don't, we're, we're out of this in the next hour, the BBC, I've already, I've told you, but I didn't mention BBC. In the middle of the night, I heard, we're going to have an American expert who says Milwaukee is the worst city for African-Americans anywhere on the planet. He didn't say that. He said anywhere in America. And I never had that impression. Uh, Then he, of course, cited all the left-wing encyclopedia of complaint, most complaints of which were more than 150 years old, all of them having been addressed by evolution of attitude and of law. Uh, But that said, remember, I hope, uh, this is terrorism. 
What's happening in, in Milwaukee and these other cities when people are firing guns at police and setting afire buildings in their own neighborhood? Th- that is terrorism. Black Lives Matter is a domestic terror group as far as I'm concerned. And, and most of the people who belong probably don't know it. They don't even realize it. I'm mean, considering what we're doing about it, which as a citizen, a father... Uh, I, along with you, am concerned that we recognize it, confront it. I sit here incredulous just moments ago watching CNN present a group of experts, terrorism experts, one of them a recent three-star general of the United States Army, asserting that all of the ways, uh, asserting all the ways Obama has been not merely fighting terror to the utmost, but doing so successfully. The phrases used are ISIS on the run, Al-Qaeda defeated, ISIS has lost its territory. We have thousands of imams on our side successfully preaching anti-terror to uh, pro-U.S. philosophy. What planet do these people live on? These political prostitutes are adopting, this, drinking this Kool-Aid, giving it to you, uh, the caliphate stronger that's been since the 14th century. Let's wake up. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, best and brightest. And yes, I did have in mind, indeed, Sheriff David Clark. I don't know where Ward came from. Other than, I believe that was the Beaver's father's first name. Calling Dr. Freud. Calling Dr. Freud. Excelsior. Best and brightest, I am Jay Severin. You are as billed. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network, 1 888 900 3393. 1 3393. And thank you for your corrections on Sheriff Clark. Uh, there it is. I, I, I was mistaken in my recollection. I don't know how, uh, seeing it so many times as I have over the last couple of years and the last couple of days, but there it is. I was mistaken, and uh, thank goodness I was mistaken as to a matter of uh, recollection of a name rather than wrong on an opinion. I'd much rather call Smith-Jones incorrectly than assert something I deeply believed and had to appear before you and say, this thing I said I deeply believed was wrong. It hurts a lot less. It hurts, but it hurts a lot less to say, this name, I got the name wrong. Okay? I got the name wrong. Now, among all 
partners, if such they are, I don't know that people are partners as they are here, but among all partners, such as they are, of conversation radio, there is the core of us that, well, as Rush calls, the stick to the issues crowd. And I know I must often disappoint us. I'm a stick to the issues guy, frankly. When Rush talks about his golf game or tech stuff, I'll listen because because it's Rush. But I'm most interested when he's talking about not necessarily politics, but about something appertaining to the Civic Circus Maximus. I, I assume it's largely the same here. So uh, I try to make everything, well, everything is to me, at least lowercase p political. So it comes out that way. But it's not always uppercase p political. Okay, for the big P folks, including myself, here we go. And, and yes, there's been some avoidance conflict here because, again, I will not bury my lead. I'm going to move it right up to the top. And instead of making my case, which I do intend to make, but I'm I, what I would normally do is, is, is make my brief and say, and here's where it leads us. Not going to do that today uh, uh, again, and I hope you like it. It goes against a lot of my instincts, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it excessively. What the heck is this? Oh, it's a mosquito bite. Okay. The way my my head feels small. Okay, if I sound like a liberal for the next hour, it's it's the Zika. It's not me. All right. The problem with Donald Trump and hence our fate as a nation. And if you consider what it means to have a third and likely a fourth Obama term on steroids in this country right now, when you think about the open borders, the rampant terrorism, domestic and foreign, brought here, when you think about the skyrocketing taxes, the intrusiveness of government, the wreck of a system which only 50 years ago worked fine, when you think about the absence of any law precluding an Obama fourth or fifth term, I'm sorry, third and fourth term, which we face if Clinton is elected and then if her daughter is next elected I'll give you a list of names of who's going to be elected after Hillary they'll all make you puke I'm sorry to be earthy with my language but when I think about this it's my duty to convey to you my honest sentiment and my honest sentiment is I don't know whether I'm truly greatly disappointed or in a kind of secret perverse way relieved in a way that I won't be around to see the world my family has to face soon so that's how I'm framing this 
Good news, Donald Trump. Good news, Trump made a speech today which was devoid of boner. It was devoid of monumental gaffe, which, given the standard Trump has established for himself, this is progress. Good news. Trump made a speech today. I watched it, the whole thing. Uh, virtually the whole thing. I think I, I, I may have missed a little segment. But anyway, Trump recommends requiring that in order to enter the United States, migrants, refugees, etc., must openly denounce and renounce Sharia. They must openly denounce and renounce Islamism, radical Islam, caliphateism, in short, Shariaism. It's the good news. The bad news is that it is to be a self-sworn pledge. (laughs) So, if they lie, come on in. But they won't lie, right? No. No, they would never do that. Okay. Uh, Postscript. An assertion sworn that you subscribe or in fact have never subscribed to a philosophy group membership religion view etc that you had that you do not now nor have you ever subscribed to such a viewpoint any viewpoint incompatible with the laws of the United States of America and the Constitution of the United States of America, from which those laws derive, even though swearing an oath to that effect is a good idea, it's already in our existing law. It's already in our existing law. And has been for, I don't know, a hundred years at least. So it's a nice, it's a lovely gesture. Don't get me wrong. It is a game changer. In fact, no. Legally, is it a game changer? No. Is it politically a game changer? Well, since so few people will realize that this is already our law, maybe people will get turned on by this. Maybe they'll say, that's a great, hey, this guy's cooking with gas. This guy is singing my song. He's playing my tune. This is great. And you know what? I hope that happens. But I'm just afraid that free speech and the media being what it is, someone's going to point out, uh, great idea, Slick. It just so happens we already have that in our law and have 
you know, for 100 years. Okay. Uh, I don't want to rain on his parade. Uh, more good news, okay? More good news, as it were. Uh, Donald Trump said, we have, not just we are, and I know it appears at face a subtle distinction, but it's pretty profound. Quote, we have an exceptional country, end quote. And then he went on to sort of amplify what he meant by that and the implications of that. But it is, and thank goodness he was on teleprompter because uh, he would never have thought of this or be able to conjure it himself. He said something, he stumbled into something profound, did Donald Trump. And that is the quote, we have... And that means we still have, but are in the precipice, on the precipice of losing. But we have an exceptional country. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. And my partners, my radio family, my friends, you here at 1 3393 And you are listening to the Blaze Radio Network. Now, may I just repeat, and I don't mean to be too much of a wise ass, but the most important and marginally profound thing I believe Donald Trump has ever uttered and it was written for him and he read it off a teleprompter which is fine with me you know what he said it so he gets credit for it Uh, and that is quote folks we have an exceptional country that that's it that's the quote And that reminds me of the deceptive profundity via simplicity of a lot of Epictetus's quotes. Epictetus, epic, okay, E-P-I-C, T-E-T-U-S, Epictetus. There was a book of his sayings, of his mottos. It's about 85 pages long. Best thing you'll ever read. His motto, his favorite motto of all the mottos he created and the maxims he created, very all, almost all of his sentences are about six to eight words long and declarative. There's like six to eight words and then a period. I love the guy. Although I just missed telling him so because he died in like four Uh, So I just missed it. But his motto, which opens the inscription of his book, is I have adopted as my motto. I'm not saying I've succeeded, hardly. Uh, 
but it is, quote, decide who you would be, period. Then do what you must do, period. Full stop. Decide who you would be. Then do what you must do. You know, and the implicit postscript is, or not, you know, or, or not. Who and what do you want to be? Because you know what? What one man has done, another man can do. What one man has done, another man can do. Decide who and what you would be. Then do it. Go do it. Go Take the steps required to become that thing, to become that person. Go do it. You are free because we do have an exceptional country here. You can decide. You're an American. You can decide. Your children can decide who and what they would like to be. And then they can go do it. And there's no more compelling evidence of that than the last 50 years in this country. Anybody can be anything they want to be. Well, the big caveat, no, they can't. Because not everyone can be a maestro. Many people can wish to lead the New York Philharmonic, and they could take steps to become the maestro of the New York Philharmonic or the London Philharmonic Orchestra. But only a couple per million can. Epictetus does not guarantee us success via his formula. But Epictetus, I believe, would say, you got a better idea? Forget about it, as, as they would say in Brooklyn. I mean, Epictetus is saying to us, in a world of options, you really don't have many. Because the option is only that which you set for yourself, right? What do you want to be? If you have children, what do they want to be? Do they want to be rich? Do they want to be famous? Do they want to be accomplished? Do they want to be all of those things, some of those things? Do they want to play the violin? Do they want to run the mile? They want to be in the Olympics? What do they want? They want to write a book? They want to be in, in movies? This took me too long to learn. I was still 30 years old and thinking, how is it that people like go and be in the movies? It's not that I missed my chance. I mean, you know, people like me in the movies are like, you know, maybe the bad guy in a bit part. I'm not, I wasn't handsome enough for television, let alone movies. But you get my point. There really aren't, there really aren't a cornfield of options. Because you have access only to a few options that are reasonable for you. And so the key to this, it seems to me, is, and if you're blessed with a mother and a father and a faith and guidance otherwise that can help you with this, you can nail down of the 
all the options that exist, which ones actually light up? You know, in a field of dots, in a billion dots, in a field of options, which ones, bing, light up for me? Which of these things could I actually be? It's great to say I want to be president. I want to be dictator of Peru. I want to be a movie star. Fine. But decide who you would be. And part of that is decide who you, what you can realistically do, what you can realistically do. Decide who you would be. Then go about that business. Or shut up. You know, that's the part of this that is that is the sort of vinegar, is the medicine along with the molasses. And that is only you can decide who and what you want to be. One hopes with the benefit of of good guidance. But once you've decided, once you've said, and we all sample various things in our lives, but once having cut it down to a few or several things and you try your hand at different things, decide who you would be, then go about it. Go do, be what you would be. Or don't. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. Best of brightest, one 3393 Okay, back to some good Trump news. Well, no, okay, back to some news about the Trump campaign. Today, Donald Trump issued via his mailing list. And, I, and, and that, I don't know who that is, but it's apparently tens of millions of people, and it includes the press. Now, whether or not that's a good idea, I don't know, but it's really not arguable because you don't send out anything to like three people and assume the press ain't going to get it. So whether they're formally or not on the list, the press had it the moment that everyone else had it. And the questionnaire sent uh, formally by uh, the Trump campaign said, what ought Donald do? What do you think Donald ought to say and do at this point? And it asks questions. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with that. And there can be a lot right with it. It, it could be a useful tool. But it's just unfortunate at this moment you know, that that's a story uh, because campaigns do this all the time in various forms. They really do. The, 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 the problems are two. Uh, one is pretty demonstrable, and that is this thing at this moment looks pitiable. Does it not? I mean, it looks like, okay, we've run out of ideas We've run out of steam, so let's 
do something quick that doesn't cost us anything monetarily anyway and we'll just send out a a jam email that says what what do we do tell us what you think we ought to do now again this is done every day by politicians it is generally a fundraising tool and it's generally a tremendously effective one because you you know you 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 get an email you know from the candidate your 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 uh, your message line there says, you know, urgent message from Donald Trump. It's kind of, and you know, going in that it's probably uh, baloney, but you know, it's hard to resist. So you take a glance at it and it says, you know, you know I need your advice at this crucial. I don't know what it says. I haven't received it. I'm just making this up, but I, I, I know this is what it says. You know, at this crucial stage in the campaign, of which you are a valued member, uh, parenthesis, be sure to attach your donation of uh, 1500 dollars $150, $25, or whatever you can afford uh, to the address below, parentheses. Uh, you know, as a valued member of that campaign, uh, I am asking you to help guide me at this uh, crucial moment. And, and what, what do you think we ought to do you know, what do you think my approach ought to be at this moment? Again, there is nothing particularly unusual about a candidate doing that. And it, it is also pretty much universally true that they take the responses to this and throw it in the circular file immediately because they don't care what you think. It's a fundraising device. So what they're looking for, it's the old thing of you open the you open the birthday card from your favorite aunt and insensitive little bastard you are, you you take the envelope and immediately you you slice it open and then you shake it to see if there's a like a bill in there, you know, or a or a check. So it's an awful thing to say. It's a th- awful thing to do, as you will recount in later years. But at the moment, you're looking for the donuts. And right now, you would think the Trump campaign is merely looking for the donuts, which is an understandable thing. However, the other piece of bad news, such as it is, it's not like, you know, it's not a huge deal. But at the moment, it looks pitiable. At the moment, it looks like, and now, you know, what what could go wrong now? Now, now Trump is polling everybody in the world to try to give him direction. So watch. The media is going to make a big deal out of this. There's going to be a front-page New York Times story or, or an A-section New York Times story, which means a story in all other media variously prominent that says, Trump, out of money, not out of hope, not quite out of hope, but out of money and out of ideas, polls electorate to guide him. What do I believe? What should I say? Now, there will be snarky headlines and stories like that because of this. And if the Clinton campaign hasn't already sent out something like this, and I'll bet you it has, that may have been a year ago, maybe two years ago. I don't know. 
as I say, it's almost always a fundraising device. But right now, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not criticizing the Trump campaign for doing it. I'm merely observing that right now the Trump campaign has gotten itself into a state such that it is open to all kinds of criticism. You know, for for reasons that you'd be cut some slack if you were a Democrat. You know. All right. Uh, here is other news and this one is easier even easier to understand though more difficult to swallow unless trump is seen as having turned this around republicans at the highest level believe it highly likely nay nay certain republicans at the highest levels believe it's certain that the down ticket, you've heard the term down ticket, that means everybody running for election or re-election underneath the president, all U.S. senators, uh, representatives, so the entire Congress, half of the Senate's up, uh, all of the House is up, and then judges down to dog catchers. Everybody, right, is down ticket. Republicans believe it highly likely, nay, certain, that if Trump does not turn this around, whatever that means, and to the degree that they can feel that it's true, then they believe the down ticket is going down. The down ticket gets down goes down with the automatic catastrophic results. Meaning, what? Eight-seat, six-eight-seat shift in the U.S. Senate? Senate goes wild left. Democrat goes Clintonian. They're even talking about the possibility of the House, where the Republicans have a historically high margin they're even talking about the house going down now we don't you know it's premature to get into this now well no you know actually it wouldn't but i i i don't care to get into it now you'll let me know if you do one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three we could save this for a slightly but only slightly later date uh but it's worth noting at this moment that if the Republicans or whoever they are, you know, if Trump doesn't win, which you would have at the moment, you would have to concede is on your horizon of possibility. No, if Trump doesn't win and the Republicans lose the Senate and if the Republicans should lose the House, If we head in to an Obama third term with uh, Madam Avita as president and she has the Congress of the United States controlled by the left wing 
and they are all left-wing. There is no federal official in this country, with the exception of a very few brave uh, Southern Democrats, a couple from the Midwest, whose election and re-election is truly a miracle on the level of Our Lady of Fatima. This is like, you know, the Mother Teresa kind of healing miracle thing that they're in office to begin with because their districts are inherently, organically, you know, left-wing. But that's the, that's, you know, that's it. If you get Hillary Clinton as president with a Democrat Congress, such as what Democrat now means, and we're going to get a quick taste of what Saul Alinsky had in mind. This is Jay Severin. Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best of brightest, in the moments we have left today, I'm going to advance a story. And, and frankly, it may well have been the lead of our show today because it is not, however, the lead of the media, but they're flirting with it because they're working on it furiously. So I am sharing with you not a secret, but I'm sharing with you the secretive end of the process. The press is sitting, working feverishly right now to nail down a story which, if true, could be, if anything could be, other than the health of the candidate, could be the end of the Trump campaign formally, uh, not by ballot. They just don't know enough yet. The time difference and the fact that there are no Freedom of Information Act lawsuits in the Soviet Union. And try to imagine what it is a journalist, a reporter, okay, a whore, a crack whore, a crack journalist does to try and track down a, a negative story. But imagine if on the other end of the line, there are people, instead of helping you assassinate someone, jehornalistically speaking, there are people who shut the window, lock the door, and won't pick up the phone. There is a story that ran in the late editions of the Sunday New York Times, devastating in its accusation catastrophic if it's true potentially okay okay potentially catastrophic if it's true catastrophic if it's true it's on the it's all over the bbc it's all over europe now it's all over america new york times page one story paul manafort the longtime political consultant who is the campaign manager and number one guy in the Trump campaign, 
says the New York Times, accepted a cash payment of $12 million from Russia. When I say Russia, I mean a quote-unquote political group within Russia. Now, of course, there are no political groups within Russia. (laughs) You know, there are no political groups within Russia. This is like it came from the freedom fighters within ISIS, you know. Okay? It came from Russia. I mean, if it came at all. New York Times reports Paul Manafort accepted $12 million payment from Russia. I say catastrophic, not because in actual fact it would be an indictable crime. I mean, from what very little we know, and from all I know, and I do know about such things, if you know what I mean. I came very close to uh, help run the Belarusian presidential campaign. This goes back several years. But everything discussed with me was discussed in terms of cash in paper bags. Lots of it. All right. Even if millions were paid by a government or a political group in a foreign country, it's not necessarily illegal. It may well not be against the laws of our country. It's probably not illegal. The problem is not strictly the galaxy of problems about legality. It's what would American voters, what would the American media make of an 11 or $12 million from a payment from Russia to Trump's number one guy? From Russia. Now, again, I am not making this up. It comes from the New York Times. The chances are that they would make this in to a water Gatian type of event. This is all we know at the moment. I predict to you that when we join tomorrow together, we'll know more. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.